Wir gehen jetzt in den Wassers los. It's Deinen Freundo, Seth, I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh, German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name. Actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Nintendo! Welcome to 
Nintendo Voice Chat for the week of July 16th, 2015. I am Jose Otero, and this week we're dedicating a very special episode to the late President Satoru Iwata of Nintendo, who passed away this weekend. Joining me in this discussion is Brian Altano. Hey. And Pear Schneider. Hello, Jose. Now, uh, I do want to kick this off with just putting a little bit of context for people, because I know a lot of people listening to Nintendo, listen to Nintendo Voice Chat, but you may not know a lot about uh, Nintendo you know, internally, or you may not be too familiar with Iwata himself. So very quickly, Iwata was appointed the first successor uh, to be the president of Nintendo that wasn't part of the Yamauchi family, the family that founded the company. Uh, and this be his, um, his leadership started in May of 2002. Under that leadership, he took Nintendo on to some amazing early success with the DS and with the Wii, um, and then some struggling times with the 3DS and with the Wii U. Uh, But we're here not to so much chronicle that entire period, but rather just kind of celebrate the man. Uh, So the first question I want to ask you guys is, uh, so what is your your fondest memory of Satoru Iwata? in this industry, in this business, whether it be when you were before you joined IGN to after, if you met him in person, that okay. kind of thing. Yeah, I, I've met him I've met him a, first, uh, a, a few times. Uh, for the first time in 2001, and it was uh, at E3, and what I thought was notable that usually whenever we went to, um, to gaming events with Nintendo, they'd give us an American contact, right? Like George Harrison, or before that you had like Howard Lincoln and Peter May and all these guys. You got uh, Jim Merrick, Perrin Kaplan, got to talk to them a lot. It was very rare that they put somebody from NCL forward um, who wasn't Miyamoto, right? Uh, Mm. Mr. Miyamoto, of course, being such a well-known name, was always kind of like the special interview you could get and talk about a big new game in depth. And so in 2001, right at E3, Someone from Nintendo of America pulled us aside and said, um, "We got, we want, we want you guys to interview Satoru Iwata." And we said, "Oh, hold on, that's you know, he was at HAL before. You know, he's 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 a general manager now at um, director general manager at um, at NCL." But we had no concept coming. Like, how do you interview this guy? What do you ask him? What does he know? Is he like Yamauchi? Is he, is he completely focused on the business side, or does he know? Uh, is he still you know really focused on development? And so. You know, we got the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You should talk to him because he's probably going to be the successor for Yamauchi. Like, he's first in line. So they actually yeah. gave us this this heads up. And so with that in mind, we, we walked into the interview. And you can read the interview on the site. You can tell it's still very much focused on... Um, you know, it focuses on kind of like the games and the development. But it also focused on the strategy. And um, we sat down with uh, Iwata-san and Jim Merrick, who at the time, uh, you know, was going to uh, build the Nintendo Online Network. And you guys knew that. We knew that, right? And, like, so there there was actually an announcement. And um, we kind of expected having Jim and Mr. Iwata in the room. We thought, okay, well, let's talk about online. But the interview ultimately didn't go in that direction. They didn't want to talk about it. I mean, you saw the interview. I was surprised you let off with that question. I'm like, okay, you have Iwata in the room. And the first thing you guys ask is... So what is Jim Merrick doing? And I'm like, who cares? Well, okay, okay, hold on. So no, we cared um, because, and and again, we had no concept of Mr. Iwata. Now you look at Mr. Iwata; he's so visible, right? Just looking at Iwata asks and how much he kind of embodies the the spirit for Nintendo and like kind of like this laid back, calm, 
Japanese businessman who has a, a great sense of humor, but is also just knows a lot of stuff and got right. his hands dirty coding. Yeah. But so with, with that interview, we didn't know what to expect. So our first question was, what does Jumeric do? Because we thought this E3, the E3 2001, would be the E3 where they announced their online plan. Everybody's been talking about online, right? And yeah, so we, the rest we of the industry that. was going there. They didn't. There was nothing. And so <laughs> then, uh, well, the answer was it's a big secret. And that was it. And then we okay. moved on and we talked to, to Mr. Iwata about other things. And we found very quickly that Mr. Iwata not only had an answer for everything. You could ask about the business. You could ask about the development side, about the creative side, about the ideology, about the creativity of the company, about the history. He knew everything. Um, But he also was very outspoken. And he would tell you in the first interview, I think, or maybe it was a later one, we asked him, what do you think Microsoft's doing? Because Microsoft was the new kid on the block, right? Mm -hmm. like, they were not seen as a gaming company. And um, you know, if you listen to the interview Ryan did with the three Xbox leads at, e at E3, they basically say, hey, we had no idea what we're doing. Right. And that's what Iwata said. Yeah. He's like, they don't know what they're doing yet. You know, It's always good to have lots of people in the gaming business, but Microsoft's first announcement Two gamers and the and the uh, game games industry community was we will have a marketing budget of five hundred million dollars mm -hmm. and he's like that obviously gets you press but we would rather say here's what we're going to do here are the games we're going to here publish the and then worry about the marketing budget later right like he was very outspoken at a time honestly where you would not get that kind of frankness especially from a Japanese businessman yeah and so that that moment like when I met him for the first time and. He looked like a very different guy. He looked more like a programmer, right? Like you know him now as a, he's a slick-looking guy in mm -hmm. a three-piece suit. Yeah. He, you know, he did Always not look like up. that, right? He looked like a programmer with long hair in his mm -hmm. face and and thick uh, thick glasses. Yeah. And uh, we were really impressed. I mean, we walked away and we're like, okay, we get it now. We yeah. can see where this guy's going. Okay. What about you, Brian? So I never met him. You oh. know, which kind of bums me out because I, 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 you know, I've I met Miyamoto. I interviewed Miyamoto with you. I met Reggie. I interviewed Reggie with you. Uh, we've we've interviewed uh, a bunch of other people, right? Mm -hmm. A bunch of of high profile uh, creative people and business people at at Nintendo of, in Japan. Um, and I didn't. I never had that moment with him specifically, but I was introduced to him the way everyone who listens to the show is introduced to him, and that's in that he represents this sort of pivot point between someone who is the kind of like joyless business of Yamauchi and mm -hmm. someone who is the front-facing childlike you know excitement adventure of Miyamoto he's he was that perfect middle point between those two those two people in that uh he knew what he was talking about he was running a he was running a profitable profitable business but he also smiled Yep. And he had joy, and it, he exuded uh, passion and care and understanding. And there was something about his voice and the way he sort of kind of delicately explained uh, very calmly but very kind of excitedly that something surprising was about to happen. And he did that in, in his directs. He did it in his interviews. He did it in uh, E3 live shows. He did it anywhere where he had a, a place to be. He would he would say his voice was the voice you heard before some of the most important video game announcements to come out of the Nintendo mm -hmm. of, of the last you know ten years. He would say something and and it would be like you know and now we have one more thing to show you or and we have one surprise or you know and uh, now we have the world of the Legend of Zelda and you would see something for the very first time or you would hear something for the very first time, and 
he was sort of the like the guy that showed you the magic show. Like he was the announcer. He was the mm-hmm. the face that was like here. Like the, the, when you go on a ride at Disney and there's a voiceover. You know that's what that's what he was to me as someone who was the person that would pass on these moments that I would forever remember. Um, that would introduce games that became iconic parts of my upbringing and became part, parts of my career and my job that, you know, brought me like that, that brought me across the country where I f- fell in love and got married and met you awesome people. Like mm-hmm. all of that is important. All of that is connected. Everyone who listens to the show is connected by that same feeling of someone who wasn't just a stock businessman, someone who wasn't just a PR mouthpiece, you know, yeah. um, somebody who gave a shit. Yeah. Really passionately cared and could smile and held up bananas and did goofy things, that goofy, endearing human being that you don't get when you get people coming up and they just talk about uh, sales charts and numbers. Ridge and, Racer. Yeah, yeah, that, like, I mean, I, not, to, not to name names, but I, there was a lot of people at Sony, and Nintendo, or at Sony and Microsoft at the time, and historically pretty much every company. You watch any press conference that isn't from the video game industry the rest of the year, you like the, we, the, we saw one for the Oculus, we saw one yeah. for uh, um, iOS products. When there's a very short list of standouts, right? Yeah. Like I feel like uh, Phil Spencer is a standout, yeah. similar yeah. to Iwata, that when he's on stage, it's more than just a business man i feel the same way about shuhei yoshida yeah another great example of a gentleman who when he's on stage there is a sincerity to the way he talks about games right and to to go with my sort of like magician thing the the pocket trick of reaching into your coat and pulling something out Uh and we've seen nintendo do it for so long we've seen it with the with the wii which is a pretty big thing to hide in your pocket uh Uh, we've seen we've seen it with tons of ds's where they'll be talking about something and the next introduction in our family is the and they pull out this thing and within seconds you're like i need that so the showmanship like that's the the odd thing about mr iwata right like you look at him and he you you said he smiled but he always had this half smile it was a smirk you know like there's actually if you build your me there's an iwata mouth there yeah it's like it's kind of neutral but there's this kind of this glint right like there's this he he always has this look like he knows exactly what you're saying and he he knows something that he could be saying but is not going to like yeah i always i always got that feeling but this showmanship was really unique in that he's not your traditional presenter he's not your like steve jobs right who who, like steps out on the uh, you know steps out and commands the audience and I think Phil Spencer is much more of that kind of presenter, presenter too what he reminded me of were the original Nintendo Wii commercials where you had two Japanese guys ring the doorbell and say we would like to play yeah, yeah. and, and it's such bow. an odd it's such an odd moment because like everybody gets it they're like oh my god these guys are so Japanese how can this possibly be fun right like they're so formal in their attire and in their introduction with the bow and that's exactly what Iwata was though mm-hmm. like you got this it it seemed like it seemed kind of I don't want to say exotic, but it seemed kind of out of place. Yeah. When you see how stark he is and how kind of like how serious he is, and then he gets sucked into a 3ds and mm-hmm. a mustache appears on his face, right? or he like, fights Reggie. It's this right? weird, yeah. It's this weird dichotomy between somebody who's very, very measured and serious, but then can be so goofy. And like if you read the Iwata asks, and it's like every paragraph ends with ends with well, everybody laughs, laughs in the Iwata asks, asks, right? Everybody. Yeah. And laughs. some of it is no doubt nervous laughs, right? When the chacho is there interviewing well, you, well, you're, but. Some yeah. of it is just this kind of like joy. They just they know they're creating entertainment, and they're they're always they talk about the serious business of games and the serious creation 
but they all know it's for good fun. Well, I want to talk about that a little bit before I get into my uh, fondest memory. I mean, I feel like Iwata asked to me, like Nintendo historically, and even to this day to an extent, is very much a secretive company where, you know, the things that are getting worked on that haven't been shown are not going to be talked about in any uh, concrete fashion until they're shown. But when a game would ship and an Iwata ass would come with it. It just felt like the symbolic equivalent of kicking open the door of Nintendo. (laughs) And for just through that interview, offering a glimpse at, here is how we made it, here's some of the things we went through thinking about and and sort of talking about. I mean, there are Iwata ass interviews where there are prototypes just lying on the table and people openly talking about, yeah, so we thought this can be an interesting take. I remember that with the 3DS. Uh, I remember that with uh, the Wii U gamepad when they were talking about making Miiverse or making the internet browser. They had like a cardboard cut out version of the Wii U gamepad and I'm yeah. just like these this is so incredible to give people that much insight and it isn't the whole story but it's enough of the story in it, a way that's interesting and it's a new story it's like again like when I was young like you Jose and covering Nintendo it was a company that didn't even send you screenshots. Mm-hmm. That's right. right. Like it, uh, if you read, um, Tom Russo had a nice comment. He used to run Next Generation Magazine. He had a nice comment about Mr. Iwata. And he says, you know, it seems trivial now, but I probably was complaining to him about Nintendo never sending us screenshots that were high res enough to be put in a magazine, right? <laughs> That's how Nintendo was. They just, they didn't even care about exporting beautiful screenshots. They had some crappy ones and, yeah. and slides and stuff. Um, well, they've never bullshot either. And that's the old mm. Nintendo. And if you go back, the only people back in the early days who had access to Nintendo information were the Japanese mags like Dengeki or Famitsu. Famitsu. But mm. even the Famitsu game previews were like, there was like a picture and then a caption saying like, oh, look, Mario seems to have a new weapon. We wonder what it is. And they didn't write that to be coy. They had no clue what it was <laughs> because Nintendo wouldn't say anything, right? Yeah. And so yeah. this completely changed. This level of access of not only telling you the, about the creation of the product, but telling you about the names of the people mm-hmm. involved yeah. was a huge yeah. change, right? And then you saw a transition to Nintendo Direct, which became a way to announce products. And then you look at the digital event and it's sort of a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's not a water ask questions, but it is very much spotlight on their developers in ways that, I mean, we get access to these people, but not to the degree that we can make that kind of a video, mm-hmm. not to the degree that we can show people some of these really cool prototypes or interesting things. Yep. And it's ultimately like I post Yamauchi, I mean, whatever, you can't compare him in a lot of ways to Yamauchi because Yamauchi was uh, the president of Nintendo in a time when there was no social media, when the internet was just starting out technically. And so there wasn't really an approach that a game company took to presenting information. But I absolutely am floored by how much it seemed Iwata worked towards being part of presenting that message. And that's what made his passing so hard, I think, on all of us. This is the face of the company. And Mm -hmm. that's because you have somebody who comes from a development background. And you're getting this now with other companies like Sony and Microsoft, right, where the business lead, the pure business lead, in in Nintendo's case, the NOA president used to be a lawyer, right? Like, it's such a different time now where people who grew up in development are coming to the forefront leading businesses. Hey, I'm leading IGN. I started as a writer, right? Like, you couldn't imagine that for an internet business back in the days either. And it's, it's great... It, it, it's just great to see uh, those people not forgetting the roots and their sens- their original sensibilities. And yeah. like you're getting all this access to developers because Iwata knew how important these developers are to the future of Nintendo and how you have to shine a spotlight on them. 
even if it is risky and people can see who the creative people creative people are yeah. and they can be you know stolen by other companies. Well, and then when has that happened? I mean, that's kind of the craziest thing about the company as a whole, right? Like people who started making games 30 years ago but, are still there today. But that was that was the worry in the Atari game. It days, was right, yeah. like with Activision, Absolutely. where the creators like David Crane, who created Pitfall, wanted their name on the box and were denied, right? And that's yeah. why they they split want to lose off talent. and created a new company. And it's great. That's why it's so great to see you know how Iwata's success and rising up in the ranks and and preserving that so my my first uh my fondest memory is actually uh so i never met iwata either um unfortunately in my time at ign he did not attend e3 those years Mm -hmm. so i was unable to to get that opportunity um but uh so i was but uh, a wee uh I don't want to say a wee lad, but someone who definitely didn't have experience in this business in August of 2007 when I showed up in San Francisco. In the following year in 2008, I believe it was in February, uh, Iwata was the keynote speaker at GDC. Oh, yeah. And I will never forget this because uh, for a handful of reasons. Now, I don't quite remember the keynote that well, and I'm actually kind of sad because I can't find that – I can't find too many, like, entire, like – clips of it like it's around in pieces we have the entire transcript not the video are you sure idea. you're not thinking of the 2005 heart of a gamer thing because that one was different this was oh, a following year one. where iwata was standing in front of the room in the most pimped out leather uh suit coat i had ever seen he looked like a rock star and i was surprised to see him wear that because i never saw him wear something like that again i see uh, but it was no, sort of a leather jacket top he was talking about nintendo's approach to games um and I was just sitting in the audience, and I was just amazed by the yeah. things he had to say. 2008 was the year this was a thing. So right. 2005 is the famous Heart of a Gamer conversation uh, right. slash discussion, and that was the one where he kicked off the you know the the presentation with that quote. That's actually a really fun one, which I found that you can find that on the internet and watch it uh, because most people aren't talking about this. But Pear, during that uh, GDC in San Jose, during that presentation, he says. Does anyone have a birthday? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he asked people to stand up, and he p- starts picking people to come on stage to play Mario Kart DS because they were going to show a, a quick network uh, demonstration of it. And whatever, you can call that marketing because that, to some degree, is what some of that is. No, that's but the one I was thinking of. It's yeah, yeah. so sincere. Yeah, yeah. It is absolutely sincere. Yeah, we have the yeah. entire transcript of that From one, 2005. So yeah. yeah, 2008, I cannot find yeah. in, its completion, yeah. uh, in its completion. I Maybe I have to look up uh, like on a GDC's conference website but regardless i remember sitting in that room being amazed um and then being embarrassed because i sent an alarm on my phone because i had to uh i usually um i worked another job but i had that week off and so i had an alarm on my phone which was supposed to go off meaning you have to leave because you have to have the other job and it went off in the middle of his presentation oh and it was uh i was that guy and it was the the ringtone was the worst ringtone it was the kodak b from metal gear so i was just like oh my goodness you were that guy reached in my pocket carefully hit the button and just went i can't believe people didn't hear it and look at you funny I'm sure people did. I just you don't break you don't make eye contact with them. Just keep yeah, looking at Iwata. Right. That's that was my so, uh, that was my thing. Yeah, and I, and I actually I did like his keynote speeches. I think they were great. He was very frank about the risk of the mobile business and the you know how it brings down game prices and value and mm-hmm. all that, right? And some of the things that he warned about are very much true nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also loved I love his commitment always to to gaming. Um, the other great 
memory I have of him was um, we did an interview with him with him and Mr. Miyamoto at the same time. Mm. And I feel like that's when he really comes to life. Like yeah, yeah. When he is sitting next to Mr. Miyamoto and Mr. Miyamoto is, he's a total goofball, right? Yeah. Like he constantly cracks up. You can see he just had some crazy idea for another game in his head and like, <laughs> and he'll just say it too. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, mm-hmm. if you could do this and this. And then just the interplay between him and Mr. Iwata, it was just kind of like, it felt like friends, mm-hmm. you know, it felt like there was this kinship. And it was um, amazing about both of these interviews so we had interviewed some of the Japanese folks like Mr. Miyamoto and Mr. Miyamoto always had a translator with him, uh, Mr. Minagawa back in the old days or Bill Trinan who, who we, we had talked on about last, last time, week, right? Yeah, yeah. And so Bill was there for the very first interview that we had with Mr. Iwata and uh, Bill translated the first couple of questions to Japanese and to English. After a while, like we would ask a question and Mr. Iwata would just answer, like in Japanese. And we're like, hold on a second. So <laughs> he understands every word we're saying. He did, yeah. yeah. He was never yeah. off and then he just started speaking uh, okay. in English as well. Like, and you can tell how much more comfortable he got with dealing with the uh, with the foreign press, with, you know, the English-speaking press over time and, you know, just delivering all these big keynotes and, and, yeah. this, and presentations in English. Yep. All right, so then let's transition over to uh, our next segment, which is... Um, I'm going to try my best to to make these as quick bullet points as possible, but I wanted to talk a little bit about things that maybe people didn't know about Nintendo CEO. And this is compiled from a bunch of places, right? One of them, in fact, is on this table. It's this book that I bought in 2010 called Nintendo Magic, Winning the Video Game Wars. It is by... That's Osamu, what's Osamu his last name? Inoue. Inoue, all right. Uh, and you can find this book on Amazon. Uh, a bunch of other places I found some of this information from were uh, interviews with 4Gamer, Hobo Nichi, Game Center CX, um, and maybe some others that haven't been listed here. Uh, so, for example, here's, here's a fun fact for you guys. Obviously, people know uh, Iwata was born December 6, 1959, but did you know, sorry, I gotta mute my computer, did you know that he was the oldest son of a prefectural official? His father was, in fact, a politician. Mm-hmm. Around the time that Iwata started at HAL, his father, Hiroshi Iwata, won the election to be mayor of a city called Mururan. It was mentioned in a New York Times story. Iwata's father was mentioned in a New York Times story, uh, which I found a link to. Basically, uh, through a friend I learned, he served from May 1st, 1979 to April 30th, 1995. His father, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and his father had passed away in 2008. Um, and it was just interesting uh, to find this fact because uh, recently I asked you to check out you guys to check out that Game Center CX where they had played mm-hmm. Balloon Fight. Yeah, and he brought up the his parents' disappointment in yeah. the fact that he went into become a video game programmer. Which totally makes sense now. <laughs> totally makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now you got it. Yeah. Um, and he. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to go from politician to balloon fighter. <laughs> yeah. No. Pretty much. Um, he joked his father didn't speak with him for almost half a year, but I, I feel still feel it was more of a joke uh, still. And you could definitely tell it worked out in the end. So uh, another fun fact: uh, his first programmable computer was a Hewlett Packard HP 65 calculator, which he apparently bought with money saved from a part-time job as a dishwasher and some money from his father. Uh, he brought this up in that 2005 keynote where he said, yeah. you can say, you couldn't say my games had bad graphics because they had no graphics. Uh-huh. And he talked about how basically he programmed some, <laughs> it's a good trick. some yeah. games uh, that him and his friends played yeah. on, on these calculators. Um, 1978, uh, he received uh, his first personal computer, a Commodore PET, uh, personal something, something, I forgot, but this was kind of like a response to the Apple II, yeah. right? It was Commodore's version of the Apple II. 
It's before Commodore, Commodore blew up in yeah. Europe with the 64. That's mm -hmm. right. And uh, this was one of the first all-in-one computers that had an integrated monochrome display, a keyboard, cassette tape reader, floppy disk drive on later units. Um, so it turns out that Iwata would, would basically write programs and store them on cassettes. Then he would take them over to a department store uh, to show them off to either friends or even employees there. When he was a sophomore at the Tokyo Institute of Technology in college, uh, a, a group of store employees started a small company called HAL Laboratory, and they invited him to join. And you guys know the famous story about HAL, of course, right? Stay one letter ahead of IBM, because mm -hmm. uh -huh. each letter is one earlier. Well, based, yeah. but based on the 2001 HAL computer, right? That's the HAL. <laughs> there was also yeah, that, too. That's what it's based on. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. So they, they bored that. Cool, cool. Uh, just a few more then. Um, some people may not realize Iwata rescued Mother 2 from a very troubled de development cycle. It turns out that that game was roughly in development four years before Iwata saw it. And he basically totally convinced Itoi and told him, if you continue this way, uh, it doesn't seem like you're going to finish anytime soon. So yeah. he, offered to, he offered them two ways to proceed. We could either take what you have now and fix it, and that's going to take two years. Or you can let me start fresh, and it's going to take a year and a half. And with that, he worked on the game, and it was able to ship. Yeah. Now, this is Earthbound Mother 2, the Super Nintendo game, which that was on the Super knows. Famicom. Super mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very, very beautiful game, right? Yeah. Like one that we've talked about on this show all the time. Um, and you can, you can see already in these stories, you can't judge a book by its cover, right? He seems, when, when you don't see him presenting on stage, he seems like a, you know, almost like a shy person. Right, like I remember seeing Yamauchi. I never got to interview Mr. Yamauchi, but I would see him at Space World walking by with his entourage, and it was like the emperor was walking by. Right, mm -hmm. everybody bowed, and it was like you could tell people were scared of this guy. Mm -hmm. When Mr. Iwata walked by, it was a very different vibe, and he'd be very kind of almost shy about the whole thing. But mm -hmm. when you then hear about how he made an impact, he grabbed the bull by, the, by its horns, right? Like he, in the uh, Game Center video that you described, yeah. uh, where Kacho and Chacho are docking, he, <laughs> he talks about how he got his job with Nintendo. He just walked in there, right? Like, he's like, I just walked in and I showed them I'm, I'm programming this yeah, game. Can you let me, me make Famicom games, yeah, please? I want to yeah. make games. He's like, yeah. wait, you just told him you want to make games? He's like, yeah. Yeah, and I read <laughs> he was the only games programmer at HAL. Initially, uh -huh. HAL started out making PC peripherals. They were not mm -hmm. involved in games at first, and he helped push that. Right. Um, just a few more, and then we'll move on. But uh, the original prototype for Smash Brothers, which was at the time uh, called Dragon King the Fighting Game, because oh, they yeah. didn't know really what it was. Uh, I love the story that he basically programmed Super it. Dragon King. <laughs> now, this was the president, I believe. I think he was uh, the president of HAL at the time. But he was programming it on the weekends since he was working on another project at the time. Uh, he had a special feeling about this project even before they had landed on the idea that Nintendo characters would get used instead of these very generic-looking uh, sort of humanoid characters. Yep. Um, here's uh, two and, and more. By and the we're way, done. very remarkable that it was Nintendo characters beating each other up. Because I know. that was an age where they were very protective about yep. what characters could do, right? They would laugh at the question, like if you said, could, you know... You know what? What? What could you do with these characters? They were like, "Oh, Mario would never do that." Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. they were very, very protective. Well, there was and even, so they latched onto this thing of, "Oh, these are Nintendo toys fighting yeah. each other." Well, no, that's, like, how, well, that's how, how they. That's how they explained it. it. Uh -huh. yeah. I think that's like how the they got it passed. You yeah. know, kind of past the 
brand control. Well, look at the will. opening cinematic. I mean, yeah. it's toys getting thrown around, right? You and fight a giant hand. I mean, too. like it's a, it's a child playing with his toys. Yeah, you know? like, pretty much. That's, yeah, that's for, it's which I love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, and I also uh, hate because those toys are why I have so many damn amiibos. <laughs> three more out in the UK now. Three I, more. I ordered them. Yeah. No, do it. yeah. Yeah, Already on the way. Yeah, mine too. Oh, yeah. You guys. All right. So uh, Iwata's last work, work Thanks, as a Iwata. as a programmer in the field uh, happened when he was general manager of corporate planning at Nintendo. This is a wild story that, in fact, was uh, talked about this year. This came from an interview with Four Gamer. Basically, Iwata said something happened, and it looked like Smash Brothers Melee wasn't going to ship on time. He went to Hal Labs in Yamaishi and began uh, began uh, as the acting head of debugging. Basically, he spent three weeks performing code review, fixing bugs, reading bug reports, and figuring out problems and getting people to fix those problems. AKA playing Smash. <laughs> because of that, uh, they were able to ship the game out on time for its November 21st, 2001 ship date in Japan. So, so this is echoed later in our very first interview with him. And mm. we asked him, what is your job? He said, head of problem solving. That's how right. they did. That's what he said. That's how he described it. He yeah. said, "People call me the head of problem solving." You can see, even in his earlier career, he was that. Yeah. He was not afraid to lead the debugging process. No, know? no, and especially for the president of How to say, yeah. uh, "Oh no, excuse me." He was a general manager uh, at Nintendo Corporate Planning. Said, "Yep, <laughs> we're going over there and we are fixing this." Yeah. And yeah. he is rolling up his sleeves in there. Like that's an impressive story. Uh, here's one of the last ones. I'm gonna. Uh, this is the last one, and then we're gonna transition to something else. Um, so on December 2nd, 2004, the DS launched in Japan. The original DS, the old, the OG. We're talking about the big, uh, the bigger the one, not the DS Lite. Yes, the fatty, as some describe it so eloquently. Um, on that day, Iwata was headed to, uh, so it's spelled T-O-H-O-K-U, Tohoku? Tohoku? Tohoku. Tohoku University in Sendai to meet with Professor Kawashima. Mm -hmm. He had uh, basically been talking to Kawashima about the Brain Age project, and he wanted to personally take a demo over to him to see his reaction. Uh, he had the demo. I think uh, they set the meeting in September, but he didn't really he didn't get to see him until December. And it's just funny because the story goes that the meeting was set for 30 minutes. They spoke for three hours wow. <laughs> about that project, and that project was uh, the first game that Iwata produced after taking the job of president and it was super successful brain age, uh, especially in Europe, apparently, more so than Japan and here in the U.S. They actually spent most of those three hours trying to say the word blue in three days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Who could forget that? You have, that? Don't you have an aunt that, like, fell in love with that thing? That I, she yeah, still my, does my, my wife's aunt uh, still checks in on her brain age, her brain age every single day on yeah. her whatever DS she has from, like, seven DSs wow. ago. Really? That's great. Like, there's, there's, uh, it's, there's one day she missed, like, two years ago, and she's like, God, I, I didn't get a stamp that day. So I think that what you just brought up just shows you the spirit of reinvention, too. And I, I believe, you know, Mr. Iwata had a, a big hand in that, in kind of that direction, right? Like, mm -hmm. if you think back to how he started with games like Balloon Fight, which are hard mm -hmm. and hardcore games, right? Yeah, like, yeah. those are tough, those yeah. games. Um, and then Earthbound is really a I mean, it's a hardcore It's still an RPG. RPG. Yeah. It's a Dragon yeah. Quest clone RPG. Yeah. And then for Nintendo to constantly pivot, and, like, you got, you got this era where they invented the fitness games genre, where they invented the brain training genre, where they basically created the virtual pet genre as we know Balloon, it now. Balloon right? Fight's the first endless runner, pretty much, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you think about what is all over the iOS store now, and I was what was kind of interesting about what happened this week was it was tragic 
but it also gave people a reason to see for the first time that this guy wasn't just a mouthpiece. He wasn't just a face. Mm-hmm. He had been making games for ages. And like I, I went and looked, and I'm a huge Nintendo fan. Obviously, I'm on the show. I went and looked at the games that he executive produced or had some, his hand in in some capacity, and I was floored at how many games he has a name in the credits for, even stuff that he worked on originally when, you know, when I was when I was a kid and I was playing I was playing video games, yeah. his work has been there for for ages. Yeah, one of the first yeah. projects they did for Nintendo when they convinced them to let him play games was pinball to yeah. fix the pinball game because pinball was apparently another troubled project. The NES game pinball, the mm-hmm. NES which game I love. Pinball. I, yeah. I, it's not good, but I love that game, especially yeah. when yeah. Uh, yeah. it has that little. There's a side area where you can get in, and Mario has to hold up the pinball and free the princess. Yeah. It's really goofy. It's I played it in Animal Crossing. Yeah, no, and definitely you you. Uh, I think you make a great point in that under Iwata at Nintendo, the mentality shifted from chasing hardcore gamers to chasing everyone. Yeah. yeah. From finding out why people stopped playing video games or finding out why people never wanted to play a video game and discover the best ways to get those people. Yep. Um, and that's why uh, you know the, the struggles with Wii U and the struggles with, three, with 3DS, which, I mean, we, we were very, you know, we, we're a weekly show. We talk about these things. Um, I just find a shame because I do feel that he had a plan uh, towards where that company was going. And I'm very curious, uh, you know, a year from now, two years from now, how much of that plan is going to be seen through and if it does, in fact, turn things around for them. And I, and I hope, I mean, I hope we're, we come across as respectful in our discussions whenever we talk about uh, when we play armchair designers and arm arm chair, you know, presidents of big gaming companies, <laughs> when you're creating a new piece of gaming hardware, you're throwing a dart board at a a dart at a board that isn't there for years. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you are making you're saying, you know what? The tablet market is huge. There's an issue here where, you know, kids are sharing the televisions with their parents. Therefore, we have a wonderful solution, a device that you can play right. and you can turn the TV off. They're doing that at a time when that may be a huge issue or they're predicting that to be a huge issue. And then years later down the road, it's it's not anymore, right? Yeah. And the market changes. And there's a new device. And, like, you know, tablets are a great example, something that came out of nowhere that yeah. nobody could have anticipated. I, I liked your thing about throwing a dartboard. I think you should. No, yeah, it. you no, think that was really throwing good. a dartboard. <laughs> I, no, I think that should be a metaphor. You have half of a really good metaphor. Yeah, really? Is this like the tea um, table but with Paris dartboard? Yeah, yeah no one ever I mean yeah you don't throw a dartboard but, so I love but, that. But what I'm saying is that you know it's it's easy to say I can't believe these guys are doing this and, and uh, you know why was Nintendo so reticent to, to embrace the mobile market right? It all comes from a pride in being a game maker yeah. and a hardware maker yeah. right? Well, and and they, what we you say can comes sense. from a pride in being part of this industry. Yeah and we yeah. I mean we, we come from the perspective of we want the biggest audience possible to play these games that we really enjoy. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, it's sad to me that my kids are playing iPad more than the 3DS, for example, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I, I, I'm very much in favor of seeing an Animal Crossing on on, a, on an iOS device or an Android device, where it's like, you know that Mr. Iwata is all about preserving what makes a Nintendo device special, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the, the product on it. And I'm happy that, they, that he came to terms with that, right? There was some pressure, obviously, but he well, came yeah. to terms with the concept that you can create something different on these devices that hopefully will not take away from them. Well, yeah, and it's right. very much a, a sort of an Apple-driven philosophy to some extent, a little bit. I mean, you can get iTunes on a Windows platform. Mm-hmm. You know, like that. That's, that is a thing. Um, but yeah, he did have a vision for 
you know, what this NX would be. He had a vision for Nintendo as an entertainment company. I felt like he was saying that more and more. It was less about not so much stop making video games, but more what are other ways that we can satisfy our customers that aren't related to video games. And just the, you know, sort of building ideas around that. Um, And so... Again, the, the just I just bring up that point because I feel like a year from now, two years from now, we may forget that some of these initiatives and some of these ideas started from this one man who yeah. saw both the best and brought out some of the best qualities in Nintendo and saw some of the harder times at Nintendo. And there were some some really cool turnaround stories too, right? Yeah. Like the 3DS launch was was not great. No. Right? They, the software wasn't there. I think when the 3DS was shown for the first time, everybody who saw it said, oh, my God, like the 3D effect is really cool. Yeah. How do you do this without glasses? But by the time it came out, it was more common. But it wasn't right? just a software issue. It was also price. That thing and was $250, was and it was a lot. It was the but, most expensive Nintendo handheld yet seen at that time. But, you know, a year later, the story was very different. That's right. And, like, uh, if you look back at the, the 3DS, you know, in years, you'll look back and you'll say, there's some pretty freaking amazing games yeah. on this platform. And the ambassador. Ambassador no, program, which was the apology to everyone who bought it early. Program, Do you remember that? Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ambassador yeah. program. And so I, Still haven't deleted that certificate and, off of and, my And TV. I think, <laughs> you know, that that to me is, is a newer Nintendo listening to its audience as well. Like back in the Yamauchi days, the message was always customers do not want to play online games, right? Mm-hmm. And that was – there was a big dot at the end of that sentence. That was a period and Yamauchi would not entertain any other – any other viewpoint. And I think it's a very different era with Mr. Iwata. And that's why, you know, I encourage people to, to, to speak about Splatoon and say it should have voice chat because I do think this is a company that listens and that will adapt its experiences um, to, to a changing market, as we have seen with the 3DS, as we have seen with the Ambassador program. I mean, I mean, we've talked enough, I guess, about this, but I'll never forget watching him play Wii Tennis on the stage at oh, yeah. T3. Yep. Yeah. Like, that was one of the things that I was just like, what? Him and Reggie side by side, the executive team, yep. as they called themselves. Yep. Um, there was uh, the unboxing of a Wii U. I mean, when have you ever seen a corporate president do an unboxing <laughs> video? <laughs> and he put on white gloves. <laughs> and he said, these white gloves make me feel like Mario. It was some sort of translation like that. Yep. Uh, but just going through all of that. It's this... It's this- kind of childlike toy maker kind of sensibility that where you just don't expect him to act the way he does mm-hmm. and it, it was just really charming yep. you know like yep. i i was initially when nintendo launched all the the direct and the more kind of like putting its execs in the programming i was like mm, is this just a gimmick where you know they're 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 they had success with some of these Reggie memes and now they're leaning into it when in fact they should leave the presentations up to like real presenters but uh, they stuck it out and they you know they really made me a believer in being able to tell a message that felt very genuine by having the Nintendo leadership and Mr. Iwata well, and I think that, in it. That it sort of goes with uh, everybody's kind of expectations as gamers as to what Nintendo should be as a company yeah. and what their console should be like and what their game should be like um and they don't they never really fit in those boxes, you know? They mm-hmm. never really said mm-hmm. like people look at the Xbox One and they look at the PS4 and then they look at the Wii U and they're like, why does why isn't this exactly like those things? Yeah. And they're like, Well, because we're not as interested in those things. Why aren't they doing a live press conference at E three in the Nokia Theater? Why don't they fill that out again? Because uh, that's they they'd rather talk to Jim Henson and make puppets of themselves and run around <laughs> and have fun. Yeah. Like it's hard it's hard for us, right? Because everything has to fit in boxes and I, I know our audience is guilty of this as much as I am of sort of being like, Why aren't you just like everyone else? Why why don't we have three identical pillars in the video game industry? And we don't. 
And that's what they, Awada strived for is is being a games company, being this irreverent, funny, quirky, different thing. And yeah, that has its ups and downs. And, you know, that's, that's for a different show entirely, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what made – what makes – him so special and then byproduct of that what makes Nintendo so special is that they dare to dream yeah you know they really yeah. they really just want to try something special the, what's wonderful about it though is that you know even even when a Nintendo device doesn't sell as well as one of the other machines right as happened with the GameCube yep uh, you go back to the GameCube and you see how many absolutely amazing games were on that machine like while the machine is out there you're part of a more privileged group of people who have given this device a chance and are getting some really cool experiences um, as part of that that machine's life cycle but you always know there is another alternative like uh, people people are very worried about that but if Nintendo one day said you know what we're not going to make a console anymore we're going to make games for another platform right be it uh, be it PC or be it consoles that somebody else makes you know they do great you mm-hmm. know they'll be fine yeah. just like they there is a strategy to make their own machines um, and it's it's fun for us to have those machines they'd, they'd be very successful making games for others because they have preserved something that is very unique you know when you start a game like uh, you know like Animal Crossing even Splatoon you start that game yeah. it's so the style and like how it works and how it sounds is so different from what what's on the market yeah. and I, I think that's you know when the presentation is, is very very original yeah. I mean I I have complained in the past of the the whole two divas leading TV divas mm-hmm. lead, leading the Splatoon programming, for example. But at the same time, that's like that's so like funny to me. Like yeah. it's so cool and in another respect, right? Um, and I can't help but respect that. Same thing with Animal Crossing, where you're someone who's moving to a town for the first time, yeah. and somehow, no, despite whatever entry it is, they make that feel unique. Um, and they have tapped into at least with the newer installments. Something different or unexpected yeah. to find. Like I love that new leaf. It was oh, you're the mayor this time. It's like wait, what? And, what are you talking about? <laughs> and that's why you know to your question where we and and others sometimes ask why can't they just do something like the other guys, yeah. right? Like we talked about voice acting in the Zelda series in the past. But like if they made the next Zelda game look exactly like Skyrim, it just wouldn't be Nintendo anymore, no. right? Like no. and that's you don't want that. You want this quirky presentation style and this different feeling about this company. Yep. Yeah, I mean, after seven press conferences in a row at E3 or whatever it was, uh, I was ecstatic to watch puppets. <laughs> I was so happy to see something different. 2014, you know? what was the year of the next stabbings? Was that 2014? Oh, yeah, it was in every that video. Was it was like, yeah. ring, every video ended with like, chung, knife yeah. in the neck, yeah. and then Nintendo was completely different, yeah. right? Yeah. That's, you need that. Yeah, no, 100%. All right, well, I think we should transition off this topic and talk a little bit about Brian's experience at Comic-Con and checking out some Nintendo games while he was there. But before we do that, um, wherever you are right now, and I'm talking to you, dear listener, wherever you are right now, whatever you're doing right now, I want to ask you if you could just set it aside and for the next 30 seconds join us in a moment of silence for the late great president of Nintendo, Satoru Iwata.
All right, and we'll be right back. Otero here with Brian Altano and Per Schneider. Hey. So, Brian, uh, last week was New York, uh, not New York Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con. Uh, yeah, you, man. You, yeah, that's, that's coming up in October. Yep. But uh, you were down in San Diego checking out some video games uh, on a live show. You got to touch new Amiibo. Tell us stories. Man. I was. What, so, what did you uh, see? So I, I so I handled uh, almost uh, all of our live show stuff for E3 with Nintendo, um, and I did the same with uh, with San Diego Comic Con, which is really cool that they, they we have a huge set in the Hard Rock, and Nintendo uh, came by with multiple times with a bunch of different things, and it was cool because it was like mini Christmases each time. It was like, mm-hmm. well, what do you got now? Oh, I got Yokai Watch. What do you got now? Chibi Robo. Okay, cool. What do you got now? I have uh, six Amiibo that aren't out yet, and I was like. This is getting better, by the way. <laughs> this is great. So, I mean, we talked a, a lot about Iwata in the top half of the show, obviously. Um, and one thing I wanted to mention was that, you know, obviously we talked about how many games that he had a hand in. Mm-hmm. And those, are, those aren't out yet. Those aren't all done yet. Those will continue to release. I mean, we Mario Maker or something mm-hmm. that, that he had a hand in. Uh, Zelda is something he had a hand in. So it's it's kind of cool to know that you know that I think that ideas and, and things that he set will will be there for generations. And so I got to see some of this stuff. You know, I got to see the news. I got to play the new Zelda game for 3ds again, uh, which <laughs> I is, thought you were going to say for Wii U. No, for Wii U. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, you know, I just I, I didn't want to tell you guys. I didn't no. do any videos or report on it or anything like that. Uh-huh. No, you guys would be would be beating the hell out of me if I uh-huh. did that. Um, I heard you guys sucked at it or something somebody the, said it was really hard the new Triforce so heroes. triforce yeah. heroes um has four separate dungeons in the demo that i that we played same yeah. as e3 yeah same yeah. as e3 so we, we all um we all played them uh the lava dungeon specifically is very difficult not really because it's laid out so tough but because it really comes down to teamwork and you guys are so dysfunctional. And it was so, just no God, way. Yeah. You play I, I was like a young god when I played that. So mm. just, yeah. You know, yeah. Mm. Uh, I played with one of the Nintendo reps who I feel like we definitely let down. And uh, <laughs> and Joshua Yale, who's one of our comic editors uh, out of the LA office. He's also a huge Nintendo fan. Yeah. You know, Lots of us are, obviously. Um, and so Triforce Heroes was one of the games we played. Um and we we did the thing where we tried communicating, we tried being generous and wonderful to each other, and then just every now and then, just someone is just an uh, just an evil person and picks somebody up and throws them away. Someone, so, yeah, someone. <laughs> Does someone, someone want to reveal his name? <laughs> Hi. Start uh, <laughs> uh, so it's with Brian. Starts with A and ends with a. Yeah, and I, so I've really noticed with this game that uh, it's. It's really it's got it's 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 different than any other Zelda game in that I really feel like you have to send people in different directions and have them do little little micromanagement tasks and it kind of you need someone like you know like someone has to kind of step up as team leader like is what happens on like Survivor or like Lost when the ship or Destiny I or mean, Destiny yeah, someone's, someone's just kind of kind of be hey, like you do this guy. you do that I'll do this you share hearts and you stuff, share hearts right? so that's it's the thing very different feel. it's it's easy to sort of get out there and just start hacking and slashing and stuff and throwing bombs willy nilly and falling into pits but every now and then you need someone to look up and be like hey we have three hearts left like 
you got to go get some hearts. We're going to handle business back here. I just want to make it clear. If Joshua is terrible at games, feel free to throw him under the bus right now. Oh, Joshua, <laughs> you are terrible at games. Okay. No, I'm kidding. He's good. He was good. Um, but so the boss we fought was classic sort of Link to the Past, Link's Awakening boss, that big uh, kind of slug thing with a circular object, snail slug thing with the with the. You talking about the boss from the uh, Tower of Hera? Yeah, he's and, like a uh, series and, of spheres uh, like, that get smaller and smaller. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, um, so, and yeah. he's got he's got that tail you got to hit, and you're like, ah, man, you know, I fought this guy like 15 times. Then he picks the tail up. Yeah, and you're like, this, there's nothing really new about this. Then you realize the tail changes colors, mm-hmm. and depending on what uh, color uh, it changes. He chases that link. Ah, uh, yeah. So if you're if he turns blue, he goes after you, mm-hmm. and you're like, all right, he's chasing me. So that gives the other two. So I got to run decoy and kind of be like, hey, over here. It's like bullfighting, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then the other two go up behind him and stab him. And you're like, that's pretty simple. Fair enough. Got that. Then he lifts his tail up a little bit, and you're like, all right, well, I got to lift up somebody else while he chases the third person. Yeah. Now keep that in mind with the fact that the color keeps ch- keeps changing. And that you, when you pick people up, it's so easy to just accidentally throw them into oh, the yeah. lava that you're like, I got you. Whoa, I threw you away. <laughs> so all of a sudden, um, he gets to the third phase, and that's when he is just flashing different colors, and his tail's raised way up that you need all three people in a pillar. And that's when it was just like run, running around from this guy while holding up two of my friends was basically impossible. And I kept throwing them away, or they kept picking me up or throwing me away or pushing each other off a ledge. And we died. We died repeatedly. We died maybe yeah. seven times. And this is the hardest dungeon on that demo yeah. that Hands I know down. Of. Yeah, Hands down. Yeah, no, no joke. So don't think that you're going to walk into Triforce Heroes and just steamroll everything. Yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. like I was a little worried about this game being sort of um, the stopgap Zelda between, I think, Link Between Worlds and Zelda for Wii U. Uh, and also that it's mostly dungeon-based because I'm like, well, how many times can you play the same dungeon over and over? And I think a lot. And I think mm-hmm. that's because every time you play, it feels different based on who you're playing with. Yeah. And I don't think you get that in regular Zelda games because uh, item placement and enemy placement is always the exact same way in every Zelda game. But this, all of a sudden, you're, you, know, you can go in and play with a different item. Than everybody else, That's you can what be I was the thinking. bomb guy. Yeah, there's choice, right? Yeah. Like you walk into a dungeon and there's only one bow and arrow. Yeah, and and so the second time you play, well, you might want to yeah. grab there's, that. There's yeah. also lots of branching paths because uh, there's a lot of like specifically in the lava level, there was a couple of areas where it split off into three different ways, mm-hmm. and green guys on one t- on one side, uh, blue guys in the middle, and red guys on the left, and they're all working their little puzzles and then connecting with each other here and there. It is. How about uh, it, I'm it sorry. How about feel... the outfits? Just out oh. of curiosity, did that affect the way you played at all? Yes. Yeah, so, so uh, if you wear the princess outfit, you get more hearts. So if Potential. everybody wears the princess outfit, you get more hearts for yeah. everybody. So if you wanted to, if you're struggling in that game and you want to play it on super easy mode, wear a dress. Everybody gets a dress. Everybody has more hearts. It's fine. If you wanted to, you know, sort of reduce the difficulty a little bit, make sure that doesn't happen at all. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, so. You start off with a weapon, but that some people get uh, advantages in those weapons, like uh, yeah. arrows Archer or boosted, bombs. Bombs boosted, yeah. So you'll find bombs in the wild, but like you know, watching them grow, and then you know, it's the difference between playing Ocarina of Time and being able to pick up a bomb, and then just always having bombs on you, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the blue guy who's in this like bomber costume, he's got bombs the entire time, and when you're fighting one of the bosses who needs to be killed with bombs, you can either pick up the ones off the ground and throw them, which is cumbersome and takes a while, uh, or you can just have that guy take care of it. Mm-hmm. So there's ways to do it either way. You'll, you'll beat the stage no matter what, unless you're us. Yeah. But um, it's, it's really what it comes down to <laughs> is deciding how you want to play. If you're aggressive, if you're like kind of a, not really a healer, but somebody who wants to kind of be a little more pacifist and hang back and collect hearts, or if 
you're somebody who wants to fight from a distance, you use a bow and arrow, yeah. or even the the that wind weapon. What's it called? Gust jar. The gust That's jar. what I was going to bring up. Yeah, you can is, use that to like push a bomb and throw it towards. And something. the really interesting thing about the gust jar is that you use it to send your friends all over the dungeon. Yeah. So that leads to so much disaster because it's yeah. not just like throwing somebody. Sure. It's like to get somebody across a a, a pit, you have to blow them <laughs> in lack well, of a better term yeah, yeah well and they get they get shot over there i know the exact part you're talking about when yeah. that lava dungeon starts you see the items in front of you three other pl- with two other players you go forward and there's a gap that you have to cross that cannot be jumped across and you can't throw someone across right mm. so it's the job of the person with the gust chart to stand at the edge with uh in front of someone who he can then or she can shoot across to the other side and then that person must should have the boomerang so that they can take the boomerang throw it over and bring the person with the gust jar yeah. to that side. That's the first puzzle of that dungeon. And it, it just continues to get more difficult from there where you have to be standing on a certain switch at a certain time. And if you didn't all hit the switch at the right time, the puzzle door doesn't open or you get damaged or something like that. Yep. So that's- and uh, I, the one, my one disappointment with the E3 demo, the, I think the E3 demo is really smart because it shows you ultimately what that game is and how co-op play works and how you're all in it together because of that heart bar. But it doesn't really showcase... The, the types of materials you're getting and right. how those materials will then be spun into the outfit itself. Yeah. It's the barest essentials without really giving that part of it away. And this is a game that's coming out this holiday, I believe. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if this was a, a November October game. Um, so it's just something to put out there. Yeah, right? it's I mean it's a vertical slice demo. I mean this is the same. Uh, so for for reference, uh, Nintendo. Um, books out this area in a hotel adjacent to Comic Con, mm-hmm. and they fill the room with with demo kiosks and a set where they had Charles Martinet talking to gamers for the next three days. Uh, the year before, they did a live show in there with mm-hmm. like warp pipes and everything. It's just this really fun, magical room, and it's it's funny to me because I know that like the week before that was probably some like restaurant food chain mm-hmm. company was in there mm-hmm. being like, well, how do we raise the profits? And Nintendo just rolls in with this like truck of magic and just puts cool stuff <laughs> everywhere. So I mean, I had played Bayonetta there the year before and they had physically stood in front of the cutscenes when they were running because they didn't want to give anything away. Mm-hmm. So there's sort of you get that aspect of games like this. Yeah. Of just like This is a piece of it. Um, but I think that will kind of inspire more playthroughs on levels if we know what that farming yeah, thing yeah. is about. Yeah. If going back and it. grinding and collecting stuff gets you back into the overworld or the shop yeah. where you can buy cool stuff, that's going to make me want to play the dungeons over and, and over even yeah, more. And, that's and collect what, every outfit, mm-hmm. which that, ultimately is what you want. That's what it needs because my, my initial worry was it's going to be, it's like four swords where you know you'll have fun playing through it once, but then it's kind of like you know the MacGuffin, you know the trick, and you mm-hmm. don't, you're not going to yeah. play it again. So, but it does. Fe- I will say it already feels better than Four Swords yeah. just mechanically. Mm-hmm. I think the height stacking. Like I fought a boss where I had to throw um, one of my friends on top of the boss in order to attack him, mm-hmm. and then the boss raised one level. You're like, oh, now we have to pick up two friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I will say this though, it's, cool. it's definitely better than the original Four Swords, but I don't think Four Swords Adventures gets enough. That was good. I like that praise. Game. Like yeah. that game was such an improvement over vanilla Four Swords, which like I appreciate that the anniversary version exists, mm-hmm. but I have I can complain all day about. Well, that I game. mean, it doesn't get enough love because the barrier for entry was so high. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you needed a bunch of systems and yeah. a bunch of people in the room at the same time. And link time. cables. And link cables. Yeah. Um, I'm not. Still I'm, I'm actually <laughs> in terms of Four Swords for GameCube. It's probably the least inspired Zelda game. It's probably my least favorite. Mm-hmm. So when I saw that this was a multiplayer Zelda game, I groaned. And the mo- every single time I play this game, I love it more. Yeah. Every single time I get That's hands great. on with this game, I'm really excited for it. I think it's All very right. it's very special. So you are Mr. Anti-Pokemon, but are you, yeah. so far, 
uh, interested or uninterested in Yokai Watch? I think it's an incredibly fun, quirky, fascinating looking game. I'm going to have to play it myself to see, but I think that the, the humor that's there mm. is impeccable it some is, of the yokai are called like what's that like oh i remember God. that's the name of one of them like the localization is very well done i mean the, I the stage we we had on our live show which they basically went into this bathhouse and they had to steal underwear from this guy <laughs> this, this fat guy in a bathtub and he got out and they kept punching this boil on his stomach it was very like king hippo mm. uh which i don't know where that comes from they're really into that you know uh japanese culture is really into like just a it's half naked guy that you yeah but it's like a car but it's also a target it has an x on it's, it yeah it's a yeah. Glowing weak spot. Wait, your um, belly button doesn't have an X on it. No, I mean How no one's ever punched it. People know your weak spot. <laughs> Let him keep his shirt on. My weak please. spot is love. Uh, <laughs> I I think it's a uh, it's really really awesome. I think it's I can't wait to see how it translates to America in terms of like. I, children are completely unpredictable, right? I have no idea if they're going to latch onto this or not. I hope they will because it it definitely looks like something special. Um, to me, it's. I think it's more interesting artistically than and thematically than Pokemon, personally. Like, mm. Pokemon's something I never really got super into. But this is just ridiculous enough that it's... I, I really want to check it out. And some I really of the best wait. graphics I feel on 3DS oh, yeah. are in Yokai Watch. Like, level five uh, absolutely crushed the look of Yokai Watch on that screen, mm -hmm. which is something that people might get a little bit uh, upset with me about this, but I don't think Pokemon X and Y or Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire really nailed it the way Yokai Watch nails it. I will <laughs> say that. Like, I don't know if the gameplay is there to support my interest. Like, I, I'm very, very interested, but I don't know how long that's going to that's gonna keep me going. Yeah. Um, but I will say that, man, that is a pretty looking game. Yeah, I'm, I'm super yeah. interested to play it. I think it's, it's going to be really just fun and unique. Uh, and it's going to lead to a lot of really stupid stories like the one I just told of yeah, sneaking the into the bathhouse to steal a guy's underwear and then beating up his belly button. So it wasn't on your radar really but when you got the underwear stealing that's now you're in. That, that's when I was just like yep. I, I mean I love games that are they're unabashedly stupid sometimes <laughs> that are just so goofy and endearing and wonderful for that. Um, I play so many games that are just like I, I played Arkham Knight for 20 hours and it's it, it's got moments like that where I mean you don't steal underwear but where it's you know, we're a video game. We're having Stop fun. Stop the guys from stealing on the Yeah, board. but you do. But I think that like a lot of video games are now, they have to be so serious and mature and gritty. And Yokai Watch was so goofy. And I love it for that. So, uh, right. yeah, I can't wait to check that out. Yeah. Um, you play anything else? You got to hold uh, some new Amiibo in so your hands. So they brought some new Amiibo on the sh on the show. Uh, I you got to the hold new Mario, the right? new Mario yeah. ones, which are fascinating. Look it's, is it heavy? Very heavy. It yeah. is very I would heavy. Pixelated 3D one. Right? Yeah, yeah, which I, is on a warp pipe base. That's one of the first like different bases they've had outside of the Animal Crossing. I, I would say it's probably a little bit heavier than, the say, the Bowser or King DDD Amiibo. Mm. I think they're up there with some of the heaviest. What do you think the heaviest Amiibo is? DDD? We should have put this to the test. Put them on scales. He's something. a heavy dude. Can yeah. somebody out there please weigh the, <laughs> the amiibo? If you have a kitchen scale, we need to know. I mean, so, the yeah. heaviest so I think three are those three. No, the Bowser. Be, yeah. day, I, think, day. I think the Mario, the new Ape Mario ones, are totally up there. They're also large. They're very big. Yeah, it's, like yeah. they're they're tall. If you if you're one of those people that has an if you bought like an amiibo shelf mm -hmm. that's kind of low. Um, I know there's some characters like Pitt and a couple other are already kind of touching the sky mm -hmm. a little bit. These things are pretty tall and they're pretty wide and they're cool. And they're very fascinating to kind of spin around mm. because from the side, they are iconic and recognizable. And from the front, you're like, I've never seen ape it Mario from that angle oh, before. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's they're very, cool. It's very fun to look at. It's a facey when you, when you, uh, when you, 
bites it like kind of yeah weird, but like, it's you the, can never tell what his face yeah, is in those yeah. scenes right so um I'm I'm interested and terrified to see if they make a whole line of 8-bit characters like this because I think they're really on to something. I think it's a very smart art direction. I know Konami tried making these kind of flat figurines of uh, Simon Belmont based on the NES Castlevania that had that same sort of like 3D pixel look to them. But Nintendo just nailed it with this. And the, the warp pipe base is awesome. Um, I'm a little confused as to why they made two of them, but then I also know well, because people like us buy them all that yeah, that's yeah. why they made two. Well, there's, they, more and more I'm noticing that when they reference 8-bit Mario, they're referencing two types. It's either yeah. the original that had sort of a brown and red overall, yeah. uh, brown shirt, red overalls, or if you look at like Super Mario 3D World, mm-hmm. the Mario sprite that is there is red, blue with white gloves, and yep. it's just like well, when like it's it's a bit more modernish, but yep. like I always wondered about that. Like, why is that a thing? And well, I, I was talking initially about, it didn't look that way. I was talking about how Amiibo are awesome because they they and it's very smart. They look better when there's more of them together, right? Mm-hmm. But I think uh, this is one of the few that can totally stand on its own. If you're one of those people that are just like I only want one or two Amiibo, like get the Mario one and put it on your desk at work. It looks very different. I agree with that. Yeah. I actually. I mean, the Yoshi ones obviously don't yeah. quite match the look of nope. the others. Nope. Um, I, I like that, though. So they also brought uh, the Chibi Robo Amiibo, which mm. they're uh, sort of touting as the only life-size Amiibo. Because <laughs> Chibi Robo oh, yeah. is really He's small. the only character that's like actually but to scale. Isn't that one nice? It's very the nice. The silver, and it's, like the plug and everything, just looks so The silver cool. looks cool. Mm. I'm a little bummed out that he's just resting on grass. Like I, want, I wish he was doing an action shot. I guess after all the Smash Brothers ones, one he's of them needed of a break. Yeah. He is out of energy. He yeah, needs to plug he's in. Looking to where to plug. Yeah. it's a frantic search. So he's cool. He's a one-off. I mean, we haven't seen any of those yet, right? We've saw the closest we've seen is the Splatoons. The Splatoon. I'm st- yeah, Splatoon is the closest thing to Chibi Robo in terms yeah. of. I'm shocked this got an amiibo. Yeah. Like, yeah. so honestly. he's a one-off. You can only get him with the game in a bundle. So if you're a digital consumer like I am, like. Mm. Tough luck. Give it. Give it away to somebody. So it's kind of like the squid in the Splatoon set. Yeah, you can only you, get the split. Yeah. The squid. If well, you the, the, three the squid pack. you could buy in the three pack. But uh, well, no, I, but that's oh, yeah, what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was yeah. the only way in the U.S. to get him. I know in other territories he's a separate. Pack. So this you have to buy with a physical game. So if you're a collector and you want it, that's. I mean, I, I'm already starting to do the thing in my head where I'm like, do I need that? Do I not need that? Do you and need that? I think I need that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so then I went. I went hands on with the two types of Animal Crossing amiibo. One is the standard, the the new figures that they're making with the grass pattern on the bottom. Super well done, gorgeous. Like as you know, the the amiibo that they've made for the Smash Brothers lines, the less human-looking they are, sort of the better they are. Yeah. The kind of cartoony ones are my favorite kind, and these are amazing. Like, Isabel looks great, uh, Totake looks great, or K.K. Slider, however he's known yeah. in, in the States. I'm surprised they didn't go with uh, the Yoshi, like, just sort of a plush version, just because Animal Crossing villagers are so soft. Like, yeah. I mean, honestly. Yeah. You know? uh, I, li- I like it, though. I like the right. way it looks, and, like, I love the grass, the stylized nice. grass and, like, leaf patterns mm-hmm. from that game. Yeah. They just lend themselves to these... these so this this is when this is when they really get collectors right because it's like me I'm not a big Pokemon guy but because I want the whole Smash set I bought all the Pokemon like I I don't think Jigglypuff is a good amiibo I don't think he's a good character I hate that guy if I'm gonna be honest yeah. on this Nintendo mm, show that's okay that's but okay. I got his figure because he's part of a set but when I get to like like the a fifth string Animal Crossing character who's like hey I fix shoes in the in the town on the DS game you're kind of like do I really need you so I think I'm gonna skip these. 
<laughs> really? No, really. I'm running out of shelf space. No. I don't have a house. And, I got a, I got a one bedroom patience. apartment. He's he's not hiding things in the in the garage like you. Well, so here, like my, my my wife asked me the other day. She was like, "So how many more of these do you need to get?" And I was like, "Ha! Well, that's a tricky question because the Smash Brothers set has about ten or twelve more left in them because they had to break the Me Fighters out in the three characters, which I wish they never did. Um, and then there's the uh, Chibi Robo, and then there's you know maybe uh, one more Yoshi one and blah 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 blah. And all of a sudden the Mar the two Mario ones. Uh, but there's also a Rob Famicom version who's only available in Japan. Uh, so a lot. You said this to her. Yeah. Like Why I looked up because I thought her. you were just talking to us. No, like, no, no. She knows what she's she still talking just, to his just wife. Say all oh, those. No, no, no. No, I mean, I the, the, the half of my life is just hearing. No, that's nice, honey. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just that's if you, ma- if you marry somebody that can just look at you and hear you babble about garbage and go, that's nice. Then you're doing okay. Um, until she sees that you're going to buy eight more shelves. Until yeah, then that that's a problem. <laughs> that's going to be a conversation. So the secondary ones I went on with uh, hands on with for the first time was the cards and the cards are really cool they're uh they're a lot um sort of heftier than i thought they'd be they don't feel like paper cards they don't even feel like plastic cards they feel somewhere in between the two Mm. they feel sturdy and they have this cool gloss on the back of them that has kind of a hologram glimmer to them and like playing cards you can't tell from one side which one you're holding until you flip them over so i don't know what they're going to do with that because it's weird to it's you gotta remember if Nintendo knows how to make quality playing cards. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. This is in the DNA of that company. And if you've seen any of the special edition sets like the see through Mario cards or any of the kind of classic Nintendo playing cards, like the nylon based ones, yep. they're just really nice. And so they, I yeah. was expecting these to be good. And these have, you know, what, M- NFC chips inside them. Yeah, or something flattened versions yeah. of them. So, so. No. well I mean NFC chips are flat whether they're in the figure or whether they're in the Yoshi amiibo or whether mm-hmm. they're in the, the card. Um, but the cool thing with those, uh did they explain to you the whole like uh, there's villager cards and there's special character yes. cards so that's where it gets confusing as yeah. you pick one up and it says um, Tom Nook one out of 26 and well, you go so to the next you, and it's like Isabel one actually, out of 15 that's his birthday so the, the numbers are actually the birth date remember Animal Crossing what? is all about birth dates oh, and that's signs right. and yeah so you said that on the live stream and I was just sitting at home like like just face palming they're like no Brian that's our birthday um, you have to use the hashtag IGN live and ask us questions and we'll read them on Twitter just for you I didn't want to do that to I'm you kidding. though um, I just waited till I saw you in person but um, I <laughs> will say three weeks later yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got a bone to pick with you three weeks later that's our birthday um, no but uh, so I was told when I demoed this game uh, which by the way is on my new 3DS right now because it's not for sale yet in Japan but it will be at the end of the month okay um, oh, so you, you can play the game it. completely uh, yeah I, I, you can pre-order on the eShop uh, Remember, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. So, um, but waiting 14 days for it to unlock, oh, the agony. But anyway, um, there are 333 villagers in that game. How many cards are there? 333? The well, they they said that the cards, the first set is only going to be roughly 100. Oh, only? Good. Yeah, oh. yeah. It's going to be roughly. I'm putting this on record right now. And they're random, I am, right? In Japan, they are random. You're buying a pack of three. At a chance uh-huh. to get one, I don't know if that's going to be the way they do on it On record, right now, I'm not touching these. <laughs> no. No. You draw Especially, no, because they're blind, they're blind-packed, so you don't, you don't know. And I think that's how it'll be in America. Could be. Could where be. you don't know which ones you're getting, so you get a bunch of doubles, and you, you can trade with your friends, and I, I, I could totally so, see us doing that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would trade with you. You're not trading with me because I'm not getting into this. <laughs> no. No. That's not going to happen. You're going to have to find somebody else. You're going to have to trade with Jose and a bunch of other people out there because I'm out of that. So I, I'm very interested uh, to play this game because it, it has some really fun elements, I think. Like, I think that the design part of that game is actually very fun. 
Um, it sucks that you don't have the the traditional sort of town view and visiting other people, but you have complete other control of how they live, which is just uh, – it's very different than how you expect Animal Crossing to be. Like usually in Animal Crossing, if I wanted you to use something in your place, your your villager either asks me for something and then I go buy yeah. it, or I go to your house with a present. I'm like, here, take this, and then either they take it or they don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, not touching it. I don't think I'll I'm gonna the... go for completion on the set as well. It's very mm-hmm. tempting. If there are a lot of people in the office, maybe that's a possibility. For happy home because, designer, because of yeah, because of trades. For Will the, you for play the, the game regardless? Though, because oh, you can yeah, play yeah. it without the cards. I'm gonna play the yeah, game the, regardless, the, and I'm gonna buy a couple of packs. Yeah, of the, cards the cards sure. are strictly for. Uh, and it's interesting because they are for more of a cosmetic slash side function. Like you can basically summon any villager if you have their card and therefore decorate their yeah. house. There are special characters that uh, regular villagers you can assign to any job on Main Street, sure. but uh, reg- special character cards you can't. No, I mean, I think it's a great idea. I'd love to see the sort of, I mean, they 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 mentioned this from the start, right? Like these character cards replace or uh, being able to replace regular Amiibo in some capacity. And yeah. uh, it'd be cool to have the whole Smash Brothers set as character cards yeah. or like, you know, Yarn Yoshis or all the other little things because one day people will run out of shelf space or maybe they don't want to spend that much money. Yeah. Blind packaging them is where it gets tricky because if you don't have people directly near you that you can trade with, um, that can get cumbersome. Well, I think so. the big question looming for me about this Animal Crossing and then we're going to actually cut because uh, we're going a little over here um, is that Happy Home Showcase became a really fun part of my Animal Crossing experience yeah. with New Leaf, like street passing with you and Pear and being able to look at Pear's house, which was an absolute wreck, by mm-hmm. the way. I just want to say on this podcast, uh, I believe... Uh, I have a lot of stuff was, I'm collecting. Was, uh, was, what am I going to do with it? was I'm an interesting it. part of the game, yep. street passing with people and then checking on the neighborhood to see what items you'd find in their house and then using the showcase to order them. Gave it a sort of utility that... I didn't expect Animal Crossing to have, and so far I don't see Happy Home Designer approaching it in mm-hmm. any way, at least in what I know about it. So hopefully someone who at Nintendo will help bring to light if this is still a thing or if there is something similar to it. Because I really enjoyed that. It was just a window into your mind a little bit. Like, well, this is Brian decorated his house. And then you go and you find, like, there's a TV production set in his bedroom. I and built, just no, like, I built the Up at Noon set. In, yeah, in my back room, in, I built the IGN studio in, in his in my bedroom. bedroom. Yeah, yeah, in in the bedroom, We've got cameras, and I'm just like, okay, well, Brian. we put it like that. I don't have cameras in the bedroom. All right, <laughs> I'm more like a squirrel. Well, like private man, I'll just, keep cameras in the bedroom. Just put whatever I found into the house. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yours had a that's really a hoarder. You had a hoarder house. Remember. I've done themed uh, houses before. No, but this uh, is this just is called like craft or something. Huh? I I can't remember, but you had a strange name for the house. I don't remember. I'm the only person who almost Anyway, lastly, really quickly, uh, Super Mario Maker, we got to play the levels that they... Play, that the experts played at the Nintendo World Championships, and we got our asses whooped. Really? (laughs) Those are hard. Yeah? Butts. We had our butts whooped. There you go. Mm -hmm. Asses are donkeys. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. nice. Okay, we got our butts up. They were very hard levels, and it, it's definitely one of those. Like I remember watching the World Championships and being like, "Man, these are really hard levels. Yeah. They're really hard levels." But those guys were awesome at them. Really hard levels with people who are not nearly as good as the best people in the world at those games are 
in for a brutal awakening because so, those those are those really kick your butt. So last week Trinan was on the show and he said that uh, one of his favorite things coming out of E3 was you saying, "I think I understand esports." <laughs> when you saw, when yeah, you saw, yeah, because uh, that that excitement and that energy in that room, like yeah. it's it's I totally get it. I totally get it. Just it. took a game that you actually understood. Yeah, which so and not many, but so Nintendo actually made a new stage that they brought on our live show, um, which uh, exclusively for us, which was really cool. Um, we got to see a stage that was based yeah, on chomps and stuff. What well, was based on the uh, they they made, they brought us a stage that was based on the Zelda Two Dungeon. Temple, yes. the temples from Zelda this. Two for I NES. This. Yeah, where you walk in, uh, it's blue background. There's a stairwell going up. There's the columns and everything like that, yeah. and then you take the elevator down, which was the warp pipe. Oh, not the forest one. There was a Zelda forest one too at E3. Mm, you yeah, saw that one. Yeah, no, the, yeah, this, this one was straight up the, the horizontal uh, dungeons, cool. and even down to where they hid the key in the first temp- <laughs> in the first dungeon, where it's you know it's underneath that archway, and there's a, you fight a skeleton and it's in a wall. Mm-hmm. They made you go by and fight a bad guy, and then go into the wall and get the power up there and keep That's going. Great. You recognized it right away. Uh, me yeah. within seconds, and they yeah. were sort of like, "Does this ring any bells?" And I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. this is one. I love this game. Yeah. I'm one of the." I'm one of one of the more outspoken Zelda Two apologists or champions. You don't I would have to say. be an champions. Apologist. No apologies. Uh, the game, uh, people, people. The game gets a lot of bad rap from people because it's not the same. Because it's not the same. Exactly. Yeah, but it was good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's harder if you want, if you want a challenge, play the Japanese. And version. we got to see that that item screen of of making a level uh, mm. that you and I had sort of hypothesized. What's that bottom row? Mm. It's all blank. Yeah. Um, all of that is your favorite. So you can the stuff that you most commonly use nice. when you're creating your tile sets. Yeah. Just drop it right in there. Um, as as always, incredibly intuitive, really fun. Uh, I, I again, same thing with that game. I can't get enough of it. I can't Sweet. wait for it. So, okay. did you see the cat yeah. paw? The which one? The cat paw. Oh yeah, the cat paw is great. Oh, yeah. So I don't yeah. know if that stuff's going to be like unlockables or like how that's going to work. We don't know. I for did sure, hear. But, well, I did hear that that hundred levels thing is not confirmed. I don't know who started that rumor about uh, it about it shipping with a hundred levels, okay. but they pretty much said to me like. That's the thing people just started saying, and we haven't confirmed that. So uh, make it what you will. That came from a website in the UK. It wasn't something people were just saying. Okay. But well, that's, websites that's in the UK where, can say well, things, Well, I mean, too. Europe put something out before they were supposed to. I mean, surprise. They did it at E3. Yeah, yeah. They did it something else. Like, I wish I had a chart for how many times I Europe know. did something Europe wasn't supposed to yep. do. We love you, Nintendo Europe. What's them is Amazon France is always snitching. Amazon France <laughs> is like, oh, we got a new game. Oh, we shouldn't have told you that. Half-Life 3. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was pretty much it. I mean, there was a couple other things here and there. Uh, Chibi Robo looks cool. Uh, it's definitely kind of like a quirky side thing. It's not mm. something. It doesn't feel as kind of robust as the other stuff they're doing. But I'm glad they're making it. It's definitely different than anything else they've made for that series. Yeah, I'm um, curious to try it because uh, as someone who just likes like action games, like I'm very interested to to play yeah. a bit more of Chibi yeah. Robo. So yeah. we'll see. And you're cool. not getting a, a 2D Metroid game this year. You, so, see, you I mean. see anything else really cool before we, you know, end the show? Like um, anything really cool at Comic Con cosplay? You any know? good Nintendo cosplay? I, was, I saw lots of good Nintendo cosplay. You get a lot of um, uh, the thing I saw that was really some gross. guys we met at E3 were dressed. As oh, Splatoon. oh, my favorite cosplay, man! I wish I got a picture of you. I saw a picture of like a gritty, mature Ness. That was covered in blood. What? Like he had just gotten out of like the most brutal Smash Brothers fight ever, but he looked like a kid. Uh, it, yeah, that was That's fantastic. Creepy. It was okay. it was really messed up. I think he had his like bloody. See, I, I just everything. get the Majora's Mask kids and take photos. Like I saw one of the best Skull kids I'll yeah. ever see in my life at uh-huh. New York Comic Con two years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now there's there's lots of cool stuff. Yeah, like that. I said you get bloody Ness. What's what's the deal? I don't know, man. Yeah. That's uh, they just gravitate towards me. I don't know Clearly, what to say. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, um, yeah. Uh, 
uh, some folks we met at E3 uh, went and dressed uh, cosplay as Splatoon, but I don't know if they ran into you. It was oh, really cool. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's dressed right. up as the. Uh, the I, I will kids. say I got to ask Mike Tyson on our live show what's going on with Mike Tyson's Punch Out Two, and he was like, "You got to talk to Nintendo." Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Nintendo, if you're listening. I know it's probably not the best business decision <laughs> to get in bed with that guy because yeah. he is a monster. But yeah, we want more Punch Out. There you Did go. you meet any NVC fans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, always. Yeah. That that always happens. That's that's one of my favorite parts of working those shows cool. is, is running into the people that that are on the other side of the microphone. Thank you so much for listening. You guys are awesome. awesome. And always say hello. I get a lot of people tweeting me saying, I saw Brian walk by, but I was so afraid to say hello. Oh man. Always say hello. You might never see me again. We might both get hit by. Different sides of the same bus walking out of there. Yeah, Just yeah. say hello. Life Just is short. Hello. All right. Well, there you have it. Thank you very much for listening to Nintendo Voice Chat. We are a weekly show on IGN, but we are not the only show on IGN. And next week, if all works out very well, which I hope it does, I will have a very cool surprise for uh, you listeners uh, on the show. So make sure that you is it, tune is it, in. Is it Bill Trinan again? Because I missed no, him. I'm bummed you, about that. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Um, Bill, come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, uh, at some point. I mean, this, this is definitely a tough time for Bill and a bunch of folks. But uh, hopefully in the future, we'll be able to get him back on the yep. show. I know that he said he had a really he had a good time. So it would good. be cool. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of other content on the site. Make sure you come check it out. I mean, we have features, we have videos, we have so much stuff. Uh, the fighting game tournament, the Evolution Championship, is this weekend. Uh, you should check that out. Evo is an event. It is something that you absolutely should not miss. And if you if you do have to miss a day, don't miss Sunday because Sunday is when finals happen. Sunday is when you see top eight. You're gonna see Smash Melee there. You're gonna see Smash Wii U there. You're gonna see Marvel, the marvelous uh, Marvel tournament will be there. Uh, Street Fighter, you name it. Like you should definitely check that out. Um, and did then I tell you I wanted, weeks, to, I wanted to sneak into the Smash Brothers tournament at Comic Con. You did? I wanted to for the underage kids. Under thirteen. <laughs> I was going to shave and put on a backwards hat. <laughs> oh, man. Skateboard? Then, yeah. Yep. Oh, just... Uh, hey, I'm here. hey, I'm here for the underage. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I just I want to play Smash Brothers. Nice. And then I'd walk... They'd just... They'd all beat me. And I'd they of course they would. Of course they would. Yeah, they're pretty good. I need to put in some time with Smash. Yeah. Great. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, also, you can leave us feedback on the show on Nintendo Voice Chat, which you can find on iTunes. You can head on over there, leave us a review, or email us, nvc at ign.com. Also, uh, very soon, we should be bringing up the question block again, which we haven't done in a while. Yeah. So make sure you send in your questions. Try and limit it to a few sentences. And remember, think about the discussion. Not so much, should this be brought back? I want this game. Like, less of that, more of cool discussion, something that will lead to an interesting conversation. Uh, lastly, you can find us on Twitter. You can find Pear Schneider at Pear IGN. You can find Brian Altano at Agent Bizzle. And you can find myself, Jose underscore Otero. Thank you very much for listening. And we will be back next week with more Nintendo Voice Chat.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.